0: I love you guys so much. Um, let's go before the Lord. Father, um, we ask that you would just please bless the speaker this morning, <laughs> that you would just pour down anointing uh, here at church on the hill, Lord, that you would bless the listeners to be able to hear not my voice, but your voice, God, because we need, we need to hear the words that come out of your mouth, God. We don't need to see what shows up on the screens. We don't need to see what, uh, what I have on my notes, Lord. We need to hear what your voice is to our hearts, so, Lord, we open up our hearts to, uh, to what you've got for us this morning. Um, this morning, I kind of want to talk about something that's kind of sad. Um, you know, we just kind of came out of the, the Christmas holidays, and uh, there's an epidemic in America, and it usually kicks off around this time of year, um, every year. Um, and this plague that has hit America has ripped through our culture and left untold millions devastated. And this plague that I'm talking about this morning is uh, Christmas puppies. Oh, don't be deceived by their cuteness and their adorableness and their little wet noses and their little feet and the fact that they can't walk straight. Um, They have got weapons in their dark arsenal that have waylaid our defenseless ranks. Every year, whole families succumb to the power of these little puppies, some of you may even work with some people. You know, we're going to show back up after the Christmas holidays, and there'll be some of your coworkers that are just different. Dare I say that some of you this morning might even be sharing a pew with the latest casualty in this war on cuteness? Well, it's too late for them, but maybe there's time to save you. But really, how cute is that? Aww with his little hat and his little face. Um, I got a Christmas puppy one time. It was this little Dalmatian. And I promise you, it was like 101 Dalmatians had nothing on the cuteness of this little puppy. Um, and I had tons of energy, and you know, I was out of school for Christmas holidays, so we'd run outside, and we would run, and we would play, and of course, there's no snow in Christmas uh, in Tennessee, but we would play in like dead leaves, and he would bite, and it was still cute, and his breath was horrible, but that was still cute. Um, and then after a couple of weeks, I started noticing something, uh, that this puppy really didn't have a hang on that whole, uh, internal plumbing thing. Um, and he would, you know, when I went back to school, you know, he would sleep all day and then would want to play all night. Um, does that sound like some teenagers in your home? Like, hasn't really got internal plumbing down and sleeps all day and plays all night. Well, uh, the cuteness of this puppy wore off pretty quick. And it's kind of just one of those laws of nature that sometimes cute doesn't cut it. And once that cute wears off, then it's like, your breath stinks. This is awful. Like I had paper here and you went here. Don't you know, puppy, you're supposed to go on the paper so that I don't have to clean up. Um, So it kind of just made a nuisance. Well, once that cuteness wears off, whether it's in puppies or in relationships, the first thing we wanna do is like, what's the number to the pound? Like, how do I get rid of you? Um, like, you're nice and you're sweet and everything, but uh, this cuteness does not cover over the rest of the junk. Um, and everybody that's got a new pet or a new child or a new significant other knows that once that cuteness wears off, you start realizing this person or this puppy, they want a relationship and they're not here to entertain me. And that's a huge revelation when we get it. Um, see, puppies and people aren't toys. They're not movies that we take off the shelf when we're bored and have a great time watching the movie and then when we get done with that person, we put them back on the shelf. Don't, you know, try to get a hold of me. Don't give me any of your needs. Don't whine. Don't need to be fed. Don't need to be walked. When I'm done with you, I wanna be done with you. Um, and see, in all honesty, that's the real epidemic in America, is that so many times our relationship value is tied to someone's entertainment value. And once that entertainment value is exceeded, we start looking for the number to the pound. Like, puppy, I'm sorry, but your relationship price has exceeded your entertainment value. I'm going to get rid of you. Boyfriend, girlfriend, your entertainment value has exceeded the price of this relationship value. Is there a pound to take you back to? Um, and for the puppies and relationships that survive the trip to the pound, um, we start distancing ourselves. Like, have you ever done that in a relationship? Like, you are causing too much stress for the value of this relationship. And in the South, we don't just come out and say that because who does that? But in the South, we just distance ourselves we're busy like we always have something to do like i missed your text Uh, how did i do that you did not (laughs) you saw it and you were like oh gosh well one of the things that we start doing is uh treating these relationships like they're a broken down car we start giving the minimum requirement what do i have to do to get your wheel to stop squeaking what do I have to do to make you quiet? Like, can I, can I say hi to you? Can I say, you know, honey, here's a flower. Can you stop squeaking? Here's a flower. You know, it's a lot like putting five bucks in your gas tank just to turn the light off. Car, what do I have to do to get this light to turn off? You need to put gas in me. Okay, well, here's five bucks. And, you know, if any of our college students can attest to that, like, that doesn't get you very far down the road. Um, back in my day, it did, but... It was funny, it was back in my day. When I was your age, gas was 97 cents. Um, Well, we start doing that in relationships. And just the same way in uh, credit card debt, when we only pay the minimum requirement, we never make any progress. When we only put the minimum amount in our car, we never get anywhere. When we are only giving the minimum amount in relationships, we never progress. And so when we're only doing that, those relationships, all we see of them is, you are needy. Like, Car, you are always needing gas. It's like, it's not always needing gas. You just only put five bucks in it. And some of your relationships are not actually needy. It's just that, yeah, we got an amen uh, from one of the new ones. Um, your relationships aren't needy. They just need something, and they need to be fully invested in. Um, I've got a, a really great friend, and he's kind of a popular guy, and so, like, people are always talking to him. And, you know, I sit back, I'm a wallflower, and I'm just noticing how he's interacting with all these people. One of the things that I've noticed about him is that he's fully present. Whatever conversation that he's in, he's fully present. Even if it's just for, like, 15 seconds, he's there. Um, and I'm one of those people, like, I've got a lot of plates, and so sometimes I run the risk of, hey, how's it going? Hey, hey, how are you doing? And I'm not fully there. So I went up to him and I was like, man, how do you do that? Like how do you talk to 100 people in a night and for 15 seconds you're completely there? And he said something about, um, I don't remember his words exactly, so I'm just going to paraphrase and say what I needed him to say. Um, And so he said something about how if he is only half present, he's not going to change anybody's life. But even if he just has 15 seconds to give someone, if he gives 100% in that 15 seconds, he can change a life. And is it worth that 15 seconds of me not thinking about, I got to do this, I got to get this, I got to get the milk and bread, I got to get the milk and bread. Is it worth me being fully invested in someone, even if it's for 15 seconds? And it is. It is worth us being fully invested. So whoever um, that mystery person is, way to go for that. Well, why do we even uh, bring this up? Well, because I'm afraid that our relationship with Jesus is a whole lot like Christmas puppies. We get really excited about it in the beginning, and once we start realizing, oh, there's a part of this that's a relationship, you're not just a slot machine, like, you're not just like the spiritual refrigerator that when I need something, I got milk. You're a person that needs relationship requirements. Well, when we, when we get frustrated with Jesus, we do try to take him to the pound. It's like, Jesus, can we... is. Like, does anyone have the receipt on Jesus? Can we give him back to Walmart? And if we don't do that, we start this lifelong process of meeting the minimum payments in church. Because we think that we owe him something. And if we'll throw five bucks in the offering, or we'll kind of do like the one-hand bounce worship. Does anyone do that? Um, If we do that, Maybe we can get Jesus to be quiet. Like, I'm giving you everything I've got. and I'm like, here's five bucks. Jesus, can you turn the spiritual light off? It's like, no, because you're making minimum payments. And I promise you, your relationship with Jesus, your relationship with puppies, your relationship with anyone else will always feel needy as long as you are making minimum payments. Well, so instead of feeling like this glorious love story with Jesus we get left feeling like he's needy, that he's always needing something. And if that describes your life, there is more. That is not what your life is. Everyone say more, more. If that is your relationship with your puppy, with your spouse, with your kids, with Jesus, there is more to be had in a relationship. Um, see, when we ditch these relationships and distance ourselves um, from people, like even if we don't take Jesus back to the pound of glory, hallelujah, hallelujah, just praise them. let them know how you feel about them. <laughs> um, when we don't distance ourselves and we don't ditch ourselves in relationships, we do this because we're inconvenienced. And I promise you there is nothing that will inconvenience you like relationships will inconvenience you. And we in our society, we hate being inconvenienced. That's why we need things to happen on our schedule, our timing. Jesus, I want you to be like a refrigerator. When I need something, I will come to you. But until then, you stay in heaven. Puppy, when I want to play with you, I will come get you out of your crate. But until then, stop barking. Kid, when I want you to be cute and adorable, I want you to be cute and adorable. When you start smelling bad, stop. Like that's one of the the great things about having so many friends um, with sweet, adorable babies. Because you just get to love on them. And it's like, oh, they smell bad. Here you go. We get to give them back. But we can't do that when it's uh, your kid. Um, One of my best friends showed me a tweet one time by a guy named Judah Smith said that oftentimes uh, God does not give us answers to our questions. He gives us himself, which is, of course, the answer. And that is the most furious thing about Jesus, is that you can't just get the ga- guy to panic about anything. He doesn't worry about anything. See, one of, the, one of the great things about him is that he is always focused on increasing relationship more than he is about the solutions to answers. And that's the thing that we, we get frustrated with Jesus. We sit in the middle of a, a, of a chaotic situation and say, Jesus, I'm needing help here. He's like, well, let's go hang out. I don't wanna hang out. I want help. I don't know how I'm gonna make ends meet. Like I need five bucks to cover my bills. And he says, hey, why don't you go give 50 cents to this guy down the road? I don't wanna give 50 cents to this guy down the road. I want my solution right now, and he is worried about investing a relationship with you, not just getting us out of jail. I had an advisor at Tech, and we'll call him Dr. Hilltop to protect the innocent. Um, And he was the best, funniest, most frustrating, infuriating, brilliant human beings that I've ever been around in my life. So my senior year at Tech, I go, the first time I ever meet him, I walk into his office, and he's got chickens everywhere. Um, I'm like, well, you know, some people are into weird things. This guy's just a big fan of chickens. And so I start talking to him, well, about my course numbers and making sure that I take the right classes at the right times with the right teachers, and I need you to advise me about my collegiate career because if I mess this up this year, I don't graduate. And that was a big deal to me. Well, I start talking about stuff, and he turns a song on YouTube, and it's some weird song about a particular fruit-related pant product and boots with fur, and I'm sitting there trying to yell at him about my pin numbers and my RUF 28P90 from financial aid that they're messed up with, but they tell me to go to Eagle Online, and it's not on Eagle Online, and I'm frustrated, and he is singing, and Dr. Hilltop is getting low, 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 and I'm like, buddy, I need you to stop this weirdness, and I need you to focus on me. And he's dancing, literally, kid you not, he's dancing. And for better or for worse, Jesus reminds me of Dr. Hilltop. I hope I don't get struck by lightning. But so many times we try to provide Jesus with this list of reasons for him to intervene on our account. And he's just wanting to be fully present with us. Have you ever tried to have a fight with someone and they just won't fight with you? How dumb does it sound to say that that's frustrating? Like, I want to have a meltdown and you will not get on the wagon with me. Well, Jesus won't. I don't know if you know this or not, but he's got this. He's above shock, fear, or worry. And when he just wants to hang out as opposed to getting worried and panicky about my situation, it drives us up the wall. And that is what, what it is about Jesus that inconveniences us. And when we get inconvenienced, we want to distance ourselves from him. See, a lot of the times we will abandon that Jesus and we will create an idol that looks like Jesus, but instead it's a Jesus that is just as mad about the entire world as we are. Have you met that Jesus? That Jesus is not a fun Jesus because he's an idol built by demons. The real Jesus is a pretty swell guy, but we forget how great he is. You know, one of the hardest things about a relationship with Jesus is that we all the time want to stamp our foot and demand, but he just wants to dance. And how frustrating that is in a relationship that I want to have a meltdown. He's like, let's dance. No, I don't want to dance. Put your hand up in the air. I don't want to put my hand up in the air. My life's falling apart. It's like, it'll be fun if you dance. No, it won't be fun if I dance. I'm white, and it'll look awkward when I dance. Um, You know, we've heard a lot of times that Jesus is pretty offensive. You know, Jesus is offensive. The gospel is offensive. Well, how can little sweet baby Jesus be offensive to anybody? Well, he is offensive because he inconveniences us. See, to the world, he inconveniences them because they have to admit, hey, I've made a complete mess of my life and i don't need a little bit of help to get by i need a bailout i need a government bailout jesus come i just i've messed up my entire company i need you to fix every bit of it not just like hey i need a loan that i'll pay you back for i need you to fix everything about me so he's offensive to the world because of that well he's offensive to the church because he stands in direct opposition of that slow numbing that religion does to us he doesn't ever fit in our boxes once we draw a line around Jesus, he's like, mm, I just really want to break out of that box. So phrases around Jesus are, he will never, don't ever say that to Jesus because he will prove you wrong. Um, in Luke seven twenty three, he says, blessed is the man who is not offended by me. Well, why is he offensive? Because he doesn't fit into how people think he should act. Right here, he's talking about John the Baptist. Jesus wasn't doing what John the Baptist wanted him to do. He said, blessed are those that aren't offended by me. And a few verses later, we find that he is not fitting into what the Pharisees want him to do. Um, and 731 uh, says, to what can I compare the people of this generation, Jesus asked. How can I describe them? They are like children playing a game in, public, in the public square. They complain to their friends, we played wedding songs and you didn't dance. We played funeral songs and you didn't weep. For John the Baptist didn't spend his time eating bread or drinking wine, but you say that he was possessed by a demon. But the son of man, on the other hand, feasts and drinks and you say that he is a glutton, drunkard and a friend of tax collectors and other sinners. But wisdom is shown to be right by the lives of those that live it. You, couldn't, you can't please religion. Jesus will not ever fit into a box of how we think he should act. He is always offending us because he is always inconveniencing us because he wants to have a relationship with us. He doesn't want us to have theories about him. He doesn't want us to have theology about him. He wants a relationship, and relationships are inconvenient. Um, Jesus responds uh, to us sometimes in a very different way than how we feel that he should respond. You know, just think about the older uh, brother's reaction to the prodigal son. You know, this prodigal son runs out, wastes the entire family's fortune. And then he shows up. Does the older brother get vengeance from the father? No. The father restores relationship with a party. How counterintuitive is that? Jesus, I need you to yell at this prodigal son and let him know what he did wrong. No, I'd rather throw a party. And we, like the older brother sometimes, want to stomp our feet and say, Father... I need you to start acting right. He's like, I need you to start acting right. Come, over in, come inside to the party. It's a whole lot better inside. No, I want to be outside and I want to be bitter and I want to be frustrated. That's if we don't drop Jesus off at the pound. For some reason, we get so bent out of shape about that. Like, how good is that? Everybody wants a father like that, but for some reason, when we get into the church, we get bent out of shape because he responds like that, because he loves his kids. We want to sit there and complain about our school schedule and how that, you know, financial aid is going to drop all this stuff. If Dr. Hilltop, if you don't focus on me, I'm never going to graduate from school. And he's just more focused on having a good time, having a blast with his kids. See, something about the father is that the only language he speaks is the language of relationship. And sometimes that's hard for us. That's the thing that, that, we, get, that we get bent out of shape about is that we don't speak the language of relationship Sometimes. We speak the language of minimum requirements. What do I have to do to keep you quiet? What do I have to do to keep you satisfied? What do I have to do to get you to not divorce me? What's the bare minimum that I have to raise my standard to so that I please the right amount of people? And that's not how Jesus operates. Jesus wants to be fully invested in you every chance. And sometimes he likes to play at very inconvenient times. See, that's one of the things about this whole series on worship that we've been doing. It's not like you need to dance. You either dance or Jesus is gonna curse your whole family. And that's not how it is. Like he just wants to have a good time with his kids. And sometimes that looks like dancing. We don't put our hands in the air because God's pulled a gun on us. Uh, Don't kill me. What does a kid do when he runs up to his dad? And the dad reaches down. It's just, it's a natural response. But for some reason, we as adults, we have to relearn how to be children. And so we have to have whole sessions on, okay, when we dance, it's going to be weird, but it's like this. You were created to dance. You were created to reach up to your dad. You were created for a relationship. We just have to unlearn all the junk that the enemy's laid on your doorstep. You know, worship is simply our natural response of a dad wanting to have a relationship with us. So what's the point of all this? And I'm I'm really working on that whole not being long-winded and being brief, and I'm I'm trying really hard. The Lord's helping me with that. Um, So what's the point of all that? Could I suggest that relationships are the most important thing in the universe? That how we love is more important than how we do anything else. It's more important than how you do your taxes. It's more important than how you keep air pressure in your tires. It's more important than how often you change your oil because changing your oil is important. Everyone change your oil but relationships are way more important than that. And the lives of those relationships are worth making more than the minimum payment on. Does that make sense? That if you have a relationship that's worth having, it is worth you being fully invested in. Or just don't have it. If you can't take care of a puppy, don't get one. Because it's not just a toy. It has feelings and it has emotions. And it needs to have relationship. Relationship. If you don't have the time to invest in a relationship, don't get one. Because that significant other, that boyfriend, girlfriend, is not a toy. They have real emotions. And if you don't have the time to be fully invested in that, don't get one. And if you can't fully invest in Jesus, he's cool with you waiting a year. We can fully invest in Jesus because Jesus is not a toy. He has real emotions. He has real relationship needs, that when we get in a relationship, he is fully invested in me. Did you know that at any point in time he can go anywhere in the universe and watch stars blowing up? Like IMAX has nothing on the fact that he can stand in the middle of a star and watch it blow up around him, but he would rather ignore the entire universe to hang out with you and ask you, how's your day going? What do you think about that? Boy, isn't that a pretty sunset. He is more invested in you than he is invested in anything else in the universe. He is more invested in you than any angel that has ever been created. He is fully invested in you. And because we're like our dad, he wants us to be fully invested in him. Jesus is the most fun, quirkiest, strangest sense of humor, most frustrating, most amazing person that I've ever met in my life. And he is the biggest life of the party. When he shows up in a room, he doesn't shut the party down. He granks it up to a new level. So what happens if we get rid of our stuffy religion? What happens if we start taking off our costumes of Pharisees and just be okay with having a blast with our dad? And it's hard. It's inconvenient. It frustrates me because I am still that person that's sitting in Dr. Hilltop's office going Jesus I need you to focus on the fact that my life is falling apart he's like let's dance no I don't want to I don't want to dance my life's falling apart I need you to focus on me it's like I am Um, something that people say all the time and I hear it all the time I just can't hear the Holy Spirit well have you brought up something that he wants to talk about because all the time it's like, God, I'm awful, I'm a wreck, I'm poor, I'm miserable, this is just horrible. Like, how can you love a, a poor wretch like me? Well, he doesn't want to talk about that. He, wanna, he wants to talk about your day and who you are. He doesn't need religious rhetoric. He wants you. And when you start talking about something he wants to talk about, I promise you, he will be a chatty cathy for you. So go ahead and uh, stand up, and we can, just, we can just close. We don't have to stay here for eight hours. Um, everyone kind of close your eyes just for a second, um, because that's what we do at the end of a service. Think about that. Like, have you been given Jesus just like the minimum payments? Have you been giving your spouse the minimum payments? Have you been giving your puppy minimum payments? Who would give their puppy minimum payments? If that describes you, if you think There is more to be had in this relationship with Jesus than what I'm currently experiencing. Just let the Holy Spirit put a finger on your heart and say, Hey, that's you, Mr. Stuffy Pants, that's you. If you can sit there and say, You know what, Jesus, my relationship with you is boring. Own up to it. Say, Jesus, I have a boring relationship with you. Can you fix that? Jesus, I'm a poor little white boy and I don't know how to dance. Jesus, will you teach me how to dance? Because I promise you, he can dance better than anybody that's ever lived. And your dad is a great dance teacher. I have not gotten breakthrough in that particular spiritual blessing, but, uh, but if we're stuffy, if we're boring, just put that finger on your heart and say, that's, that's me. If you can stand to be more fully invested in your relationship with Jesus... Just put that finger on your heart and say, oh gosh, that's me. I just want you to reach over and put a hand on the shoulder of the person sitting next to you, because I promise you, we are all way more stuffy than we uh, we could stand to be. And just bless them. Pray for them that, Father, that you would bless the person to our right and left, God, that you would liven up their heart. Lord, when we try to shut your party down, God, turn the music up even louder. I don't care if it's 2 o'clock in the morning and I'm trying to get sleep. Jesus, you feel free to throw a party for anybody that you want at any time of day. Jesus, right now, this entire room, we just open up our heart to you inconveniencing us. We ask that you would meet us, God. God, we get rid of our idol Jesus, and we want to be introduced to the real Jesus. We want to be introduced to the life of the party. Because your word says that even your word is life. So Holy Spirit, that you would speak the word of the Lord over our hearts and bring life into cold and dead and dry hearts, Lord. Lord, that you would heal us of our stuffiness. Bring freedom to us, God. Help us to let go of the things that we're panicked about. Help us to let go of our entertainment value and feel, f- or feel free to just blow our concepts of entertainment out of the water, Lord. Lord, that 15 minutes with you is better than all the, the entertainment that TV could give us. Because God, because God, only you can satisfy our hearts. And we've tried everything else and everything else is boring compared to your Holy Spirit. So, Lord, just move in our hearts. Freshen us up, Lord. If you're holding on to bitterness and unforgiveness, be okay with just letting that go right now. Say, hey, that person was a doofus, and I forgive them. They didn't know what they were doing, I forgive them. They did know what they were doing, but I still forgive them. Uh, we've been forgiven of so much, Lord. So we just give that gift away. You've given me the gift of forgiveness, and I give it back to everybody, Lord. I will not let those shackles stay around my legs to keep me from dancing with you. Oh, we need you. Can you feel him? already changing lives. We're standing in a room in Cookville, Tennessee, and it's kind of cold and dumb and rainy outside. And the Holy Spirit's here moving on our hearts, changing us into different people. And when you get in your car and the kids start screaming in your ear, he is present to change your life as the kids screaming in your ear. When you go home and you're a Christmas puppy, because I know some of you have them, has used the bathroom on the floor, the Holy Spirit is present to change your life because he is most excited and he is most present when life is inconvenient for us. So Lord, we just welcome your inconvenience. Knowing that the second that that inconvenience shows up, I'm gonna throw a hissy fit. So Lord, we just ask for forgiveness in advance. Have mercy on us, Lord. Look down from heaven with grace and change us into you, God, that people would talk about us like we're the life of the party. Lord, we bless you. Father, that you would bless this congregation right here, Lord, that you would give them favor, Lord, that you would make them like Daniel. Uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that they would be found to be 10 times better in everything concerning wisdom and understanding, Lord. That you would lift the members of this congregation into high and lofty places, Lord. That you would give them influence with members of government, God. Or that you would bless members of this body with an entrepreneurial spirit, God. To be able to create, craft, and manufacture jobs. Lord, that you would bless the owners of business, that they would be able to give benefits and raises, Lord. God, that Cookville would rise to the top of the best places in the world to live. God, and we come against poverty in this, uh, in this city, Lord. There's more than enough to go around, and there is an abundance at the Father's table, Lord. So we just bless the commerce of Cookville and Allgood and Livingston and the surrounding area, Lord. Just energize our city, Lord, with your presence. God, come, to the, to the Cookville government and be the life of the party. We bless you. In Jesus' name, amen.